You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi and I am your host. And I'm recording this on a Sunday night at 11.14 p.m. because I forgot to record a podcast. I was looking at my stats this afternoon, more specifically around 5 o'clock, and I was like, oh, look at that nice little uptick, which is normal on a weekend because I usually release on a Friday. And then I realized, hey, I didn't I didn't release a podcast. So there was a nice little uptick uh, of new listeners, and thank you, everybody, who's who's a new listener. I really appreciate that. And thank you to all the current listeners and the Patreon supporters. But, um, yeah, I appreciate it, all of you. And I apologize for getting this out so late. Um, it, I don't even have an excuse. I mean, we were busy, but I could have done it on Saturday after I put my kids to bed. So I just forgot, just completely forgot. So I apologize. But uh, we're doing one now. Uh, just kind of a note, though. Next uh, Friday, which it, the podcast should come out on Friday, it's not going to really be a news show. There might be a kilobit section uh, segment, but it's really going to be uh, about the earnings report. Tesla's earnings report comes out on May 2nd, so we'll go through the analyst call like a normal, and those are some of my favorite podcasts. I don't know if they're yours, but they're some of the most, it's a ton of work, but it's some of the most fun to to just kind of listen to what Tesla's thinking, you know, mostly Elon. So, all right, let's get into the show part. Now, I forgot my iPad in the other room, so I'm just going to read this off my computer. So hopefully this does not, um, this isn't clunky. It's already clunky. Let's start. Uh, first of all, this is episode 89. 11 more episodes till we hit 100. I am really excited about that. But let's talk about the things that I like. Uh, I announced last week that I did, uh, I pro- I'm did. i doing an Anchor show, a show on Anchor, which is an app uh, for podcasts, kind of more short form. And uh, I'll be honest, it's a little, the, the interface is a little opaque and I'm having a hard time just kind of navigating through. But Dale... Uh, who's a listener to this podcast, left a very nice message on uh, Anchor, and I'm going to play that in a second. But he does a podcast called Climate Report and Making Tracks. And uh, I've only listened to one episode, not because it wasn't good, uh, because uh, 
I spent most of the weekend home alone with my kids, and my kids hate it when I wear headphones. So I don't generally listen to podcasts or audiobooks when my kids are around because they don't like the headphones. It drives them crazy, and I can't really blame them. Um, but then if you listen to... <laughs> If you listen to some podcasts, not Dale's, but if you listen to some podcasts, there's a lot of F-bombs being dropped. So I just kind of, uh, if they're playing, then I'll listen to a podcast. But if we're, you know, in the same room, kind of interacting with each other, I, I keep the headphones out. But that's the only reason why. I plan on catching up on a couple of episodes tomorrow, actually. So uh, let's play Dale's uh, message because he had a good point. Let's see a couple of quick comments. Maybe those Walmart chargers would be okay if it's fast charging. Even if you don't shop, you can just hang out in the parking lot for a little while. I just discovered a regional charging system in our area called Drive the Arc, which are located at places like Rayleigh's Markets, and they're super high-speed chargers, a very nice setup, and they're free right now. So very cool. By the way, I bought a, a used leaf this weekend from a friend, super cheap, and I'm really having fun with it. That might be something to look at. I think it's going to take the place of our car for almost all of our local travels. All right. Thank you, Dale. Um, this is That's actually the first time I've ever put on audio from anybody. So I appreciate the feedback on the Anchor app, Dale. I did not know about the service drive, the Arc, and I think that that's really cool. The... Um, Rayleigh's is a, I think mostly like a California grocery store, but uh, as we're going to talk about in later in the episode, uh, charging is coming and it, it's going to be everywhere. And I do agree that even if you don't go shopping, at least there's Walmarts all over the place. So at least you have a a, a spot to go um, uh, and charge. On the other side, uh, in my area anyway. If you're going, if you go to a Walmart, there's not really anything around for you to do other than go to a Walmart. Like uh, uh, the closest Walmart to me has like a GameStop and a pizza place. I think I mentioned that, and a Payless Shoes. So I can buy shoes. Uh, I can buy a video game, which you know, okay, yeah, that's that, that that interests me, or just browse the store, or I could buy a uh, pizza. Or Burger King, I guess there's a Burger King in the parking lot too. Or I can have my tires changed. Hmm. I guess I couldn't because it'd be charging the car. Huh. Anyway, so let's move on. Uh, it's five minutes into the show. Let's get a little further on. Check out Dale though. I really serious. I've talked to him uh, via email quite a bit, uh, and I think he is a very nice person we should support very nice people who are part of this community let's uh go back here here we go so again i want to thank all the new listeners old listeners and uh patreon supporters um if you want to support this show i won't bang on this gong too much but go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt there's a dollar level and a five dollar level if you're interested Five dollar level, you get some stickers and Slack access, so you can talk to James and I uh, and myself. Or you can just, you know, if you just want to support the show, throw us a dollar. That's cool too. I am appreciative either way. And uh, 
Let's start here. We got some videos that I'll put in the show notes, but we'll skip past those because I know everybody wants to get going. So this is the kilobits uh, section. Man, I'm having a hard time with the uh, the actual term. The kilobit. Hmm. Anyway, it's right on the tip of my tongue, you know, and it's just, it's right there. I can't I can't get I can't break that mental wall. But let's talk about Fred Lambert from Electric. Uh, Here's a story about two former Tesla executives, kind of like the Brady Bunch. They founded a battery company called Northvolt. And they've just started production on the first phase of their gigafactory in Sweden. Um, It's going to be big. It'll be the largest lithium-ion battery factory in Europe. It'll be close to the size, but not the same size as the Gigafactory, Tesla's Gigafactory in Sparks, Nevada. But uh, here's what they say they're going to use it for. It'll be a research fa- fa- uh, excuse me, a research facility used to develop, test, and industrialize lithium-ion battery cells before large-scale production. Okay, so they're going to build batteries. And... Uh, the facility will be capable of producing 125 megawatts per year. And I wonder if they don't mean... Anyway, that's what the, the article said. I'm not going to correct it. Uh, the factory will be complete by 2023, but they'll start producing batteries in 2020. And this is really important because everybody, as we'll talk about in the next article, um, these companies, these auto companies and phone manufacturers and and anything else that takes a lithium-ion battery, they're built, they're buying up these uh, batteries and rare earth metals and everything that you need to make a battery. I mean, it's going to be a very profitable uh, business. I mean, as, as, as if it's not now. But it's just going to get more and more profitable as we become more and more reliant on the batteries. Next up, and in the same vein, we are going to talk about uh, the UK and their long-forgotten mines. Uh, particularly this in this article, uh, Cornwall. So Stephen Edelston of The Drive uh, wrote an article about how these mines that have been inactive for nearly 30 years may contain uh, the metals and the lithium that we need to make uh, batteries. So right now, there's not a whole lot of... uh, There's not a whole lot being done to get this whole process up and running, and I think that's probably because they're testing to see how much is actually there, whether whether it's profitable. But like I said before, we have all these auto manufacturers and and uh, phone companies, and and we're buying, not we, the royal we, we're buying um, all these these, uh, rare earth metals and all these metals that go into the batteries, but we're getting them, in some cases, from places like uh, uh, the the Congo, where they don't treat their employees very nice. Uh, They're pretty much treated as slaves. There's low wages, poor working conditions, and a lot of people die. Uh, so it would be nice to be able to get these from a, a country, and maybe not even so much a country, as a company that treats their employees fairly, 
they're responsible and uh, they don't destroy the environment while they're mining, uh, while they're stripping. So that's kind of the 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 upside, and I'm sure it would cost more money because if you're actually paying your employees and giving them health coverage, it's not as as economically um, advantageous as if you're advantageous advantageous um, as if you're you know basically you have slaves and then you're selling um, everything at a very low rate. So it's going to cost the consumer more money, but I'm willing to pay more money for people uh, to actually be able to live off of what they get paid for mining, if it all works out. And now, like I said, it's not a done deal. There's still a lot of work to be done, and uh, we'll see in the future. We'll keep an eye on it to see if the mines are a viable option. Next up, Inside EV's Mark Kane. Uh, our third largest country is Canada. And uh, Ontario some, is a country we talk about a lot. And I don't bother looking at where in Canada um, people are listening. But Ontario is a very progressive place, it seems, on the outside for electric vehicles. And they have started a program. It's called the Workplace Electric Vehicle Charging Incentive Program. And they shrink that down. But basically, here's what it is. They will provide 80% funding up to $7,500 Canadian dollars per charging space. So if an employer or it looks like maybe even uh, apartment complexes, if they want to add chargers for their employees or residents, they can do that. And Ontario will provide funding up to $7,500 per space. So if they put in, you know, 10 spaces, that's you know, $75,000 and the employer gets the employer that puts in these spaces, gets off relatively cheap, um, which is good all around. EV owners, uh, can plug their cars in when they're at work with to a level two charger and they'll be charged in 48 hours four to eight hours, not 48 hours. And Ontario is looking to spend $5 million on the program. Uh, in total, and uh, it seems like, and this is just a big seems like, but it seems like every probably six weeks we do a story on Ontario and whether it's their EV incentives or uh, just kind of how they're pushing it forward, EVs forward in Canada or in the Ontario province of Canada. Uh, let's see here. Next one's Fred Lambert. Ford is focusing on EVs and trucks. Uh, they're going to get rid of their sedans. Sort of. They're going to get rid of their sedans. They're going to keep the Mustang and the Ford Fork Focus Active crossover, which is going to be released, I think, this year or maybe next year. Um, I can't blame them. I don't know. If I've... Last year, I did a lot of traveling. I had to rent a lot of cars. And the only car that I enjoyed driving was the Ford Mustang, which is what uh, Sierra and I, when we went to Monterey to talk to the Lucid Motors folks, that was the only car I enjoyed driving. That's it. I did not enjoy driving any other vehicle uh, in my time uh, renting cars last year. And a lot of them were sedans because, you know, they're cheaper. And I don't want to pay a bunch of money to rent a car. I'd rather go do fun things with that money or just keep it. 
Uh, but Ford and Chevy in particular, their sedans are not impressive. Not impressive at all. But uh, don't worry, because I don't think Ford's giving up on the sedan entirely. They're just committed to the EVs. And they've said that they're going to release 16 different EV models by 2022. Uh, I think we talked, not maybe last week, but uh, maybe the week before, we talked about how the F-150 is going to get a hybrid version. So I think Ford's, you know, kind of on the right track. However, it seems like they're they're taking their sweet time getting here. But uh, I think they're on the right track. And really, why make cars that uh, nobody's going to want to drive? And I'm sorry if you own a Ford or a Chevy vehicle uh, in terms of sedans, but man, I I am so not impressed with those vehicles. And as you know, again, I haven't done a lot of traveling, but I did a lot more than I normally do, and it was so frustrating to, when we got a sedan because uh, when we got a Ford or a Chevy, Nis- uh, Nissan wasn't bad. Um, but the, the Ford and the Chevys were just, ugh, I, I despised them except for the Mustang. And I will say, cause I'm a member of the budget business class thing, whatever, and they'll upgrade you sometimes. And they upgraded us to a Ford flex and that car rocked. Um, it was a gas guzzler though, but it was a really good car. Next up from Fred Lambert electric yet again, Tesla may, the key word here is may, cause it's a rumor be joining the Ionity charging network. Uh, Ionity is a, uh, I don't know if it's a, its own entity or it's a group of vehicles or a group of auto manufacturers, but basically they're installing ultra-fast chargers across Europe, and they're, they're starting with 400 stations. Not 400 chargers, but 400 stations. Currently, uh, we'll just say uh, the auto manufacturers supporting the project are the VW group, all the all the all of the brands in the VW group, BMW, Mercedes Benz, and Ford, uh, and then it looks like uh, Chrysler and Fiat. They're interested in supporting it. Like I said, this is a rumor because right now Tesla has their own superchargers. They don't let anybody else charger charge um, at their superchargers, so it's unknown. Like, are they going to add a an adapter or is Tesla going to add an adapter to its chargers or are they going to change their charging system altogether? It does make sense that Tesla needs to partner with other uh, charging stations. I know that you can uh, buy all these different adapters and put them in your trunk to charge at different charging stations, but that just seems like these things can be expensive. They can be like up to $400 for these char- these adapters. Why would you want to um why would that be something that interests you to spend $400 so you can charge? Like you wouldn't spend $400 so that you can get a different hose to fill your tank up with gas. It it, it doesn't make any sense. So hopefully, fingers crossed, uh this is a positive step for Tesla at letting um Tesla owners charge their vehicles more easier in in Europe anyway with different uh, stations and then also letting other folks charge at the supercharger. It seems like it would be a win-win for everybody. Next up, Fred Lambert. 
the Tesla Powerwall just got a little bit more expensive. Fred Lambert from Electric, by the way. Uh, they raised the price from four hundred to fifty nine hundred. I mean, excuse me, excuse me. They raised the price four hundred dollars to fifty nine hundred dollars. I don't think that's bad. Um, it was like I said, it was uh, fifty five hundred dollars before, and uh, I know that Tesla had problems. I don't know. The rumor was Tesla had problems at the Gigafactory producing these batteries for the Model Three, and the Model Three and the Powerwall share a battery. Um, at least that's how it was supposed to be. I, I think that's still how it is. And that cost to get all that fixed raises the price, um, or should, because Tesla's on the road to profitability if you listen to Elon, Q3, Q4. And if you want to be profitable, you have you can't keep the prices the same. you got to raise them when expenses go up. And they're cutting a lot of like the unnecessary... Vent, um, contractors, uh, they're getting rid of vendors that aren't producing and they're going through and, and they're really um, cutting away the fat so that they can be profitable. And for a power wall, there's no other way except for to raise the price. Now for like uh, a car, Tesla can keep the base price the same but adjust the options so that they can make their money up that way. But you just can't do that with a power wall. So this makes sense. And I, you know, at this point, I'm not buying one. Um, not for any re reason except for um, our electricity is so cheap. It doesn't make financial sense because we have uh, two solar uh, systems on my house. But if we move and we buy a new house and we take our solar with us, it's definitely something I would consider. I'm just waiting to see what SRP does because they're a local utility and they just had to, to come to an agreement with Tesla and we might be seeing some some subsidizing by them. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Next up, Fred Lambert, uh, electric. Man, he writes so much, that guy. Uh, so when the Model 3 first came out, some owners and non-owners, let's, let's be honest, you don't have to own a Tesla to criticize them. Uh, they criticized Tesla for poor build quality on the Model 3. One of the issues was the panel caps. They were inconsistent. Um, you can go on YouTube, you can type in Model 3 panel gap, and you can see all of the examples you would like to see. So I won't go through that here. But Tesla's announced that they've improved on the panel gap issue by 40% on average since the start of production. Um, now, this is likely true because they're a publicly held company, and I don't think they can lie, out and out lie. However, I belong to a Model 3 group on Facebook, and one of the members took delivery of a Model 3 recently, within probably the last three or four days, and he had some panel gap issues right at the door in the front quarter panel. Um, so some cars are still slipping through the gaps, Ha, get it, gaps. Uh, but Tesla did say that they're going to correct the issue. They're going to adjust the hinges so that it uh, isn't the gaps aren't so noticeable um, because it's really narrow on one part, and I can't remember if it's the top or the bottom. I think the bottom is narrow and the top is wider. Um, but it was a couple of, it was a while ago. Maybe Friday I saw this, maybe Saturday. So I can't remember the exact details, but um, 
it's good. I mean, I don't think Tesla wants to build a crappy car. It, it just, does, just doesn't make any sense. Uh, the next one and last one for the kilobit section. Man, that word is still escaping me. Segment. There we go. For the kilobit segment. I knew it would get there eventually at the end. Uh, Tesla's annual meeting of stockholders will be held in June, which is normal, and uh, that's a lot of fun. Shareholders will vote on a variety of proposals, which is normal. But what's not normal is one of the proposals is to replace Elon Musk as chairman of the board. Now, Elon is chairman of the board, and he is CEO. So it's not to replace him as CEO. It's just to replace him as uh, chairman of the board. The person who brought this whole proposal together was Jing Zhao. Hopefully I said that right. He owns 12 Tesla shares, which does not mean, uh, it doesn't diminish what he's doing, but he does own 12 shares. And he's proposing that Elon, being CEO and chairman, is bad for Tesla. He cites uh, SpaceX and... Uh, and um, Solar City in his example. Um, so he's he's pushing to replace Zhang with an independent chairman, which is I won't go into all of the details on this, which is something that a lot of companies are doing. Um, so they don't have uh, how I understand it is they don't have allegiances elsewhere. So uh, Tesla bought Solar City. And Elon was on the board of Solar City, Tesla, and an investor. Uh, Tesla does a lot of stuff with SpaceX, and you know, you already know what happened there. Um, and a story that I didn't do, um, but came out: Tesla is, or excuse me, the Boring Company is buying four hundred thousand dollars worth of batteries and electric motors from Tesla. So there's a lot of kind of, um, some would call it synergy. Other people would. Uh, call it cross-pollination and you know there's a lot and some people call it inbreeding so there's a lot of inbreeding amongst the Elon brands which you know that makes sense and I don't think the the um I don't think the proposal is out of line however Elon is so intertwined with Tesla that that's really unlikely I mean when you think of Tesla you think of Elon when you think of SpaceX, you think of Elon. When anything that that man touches, uh, whether it's OpenAI, OpenAI has a lot of different partners. Elon happens to be one of them. Um, but you never hear about the other folks. So um, I don't think this is going to happen, but it is interesting. And at first I thought, oh, that's, that's really funny. Um, it's not going to... It's not going to happen, but that's really funny. And then when I started reading into it, I was like, ah, you know what? Um, maybe he doesn't have the best proposal, and you can read it. I, I'll put the link in the show notes. Maybe he doesn't have the best proposal, but he does make good points. But again, um, Tesla is advising, Tesla the company is advising that people not pass that specific proposal. Okay. So I'm going to break in here because I've already recorded the podcast, but it went really long and I don't think some of it was very good. So I cut out a whole section. I had um, a piece on SF Motors. I'm going to leave the link in the show notes for SF Motors, which I think is a really interesting company. 
However, uh, it was kind of a boring segment, so I cut it. And then I talk about uh, Byton, which is a new car uh, manufacturer. And really when it came down to it, um, I was going to talk about uh, the company and then I was going to do a video and I would talk in between the video segments uh, with an interview from E uh, for Electric. Boy, what was that? Hold on one second. Should get my notes here. Oh, come on. Yeah, E for Electric. And I think the host is named Alex. Anyway, subscribe to, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's really good. I highly suggest it. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. He did an interview with uh, the CEO, which I didn't put in there because it wasn't that interesting. But he also did an interview with another gentleman from that company. And that was a really interesting interview. So um, I put that in here with some commentary by me. Um, in the end, um, it was better just to cut out all of the nonsense I said before the interview because I just reiterated it um, in the, the that section. So it didn't make a lot of sense, and I didn't just want to play this guy's video without adding some commentary because I thought that would be more like stealing and less like analyzing. So that's what... Uh, that's what happened. So if you don't want to listen to that, then by all means in the podcast here. But if you'd like to listen, Alex um, does a fantastic job and I highly suggest listening to it. Um, I do interject here and there, but it's not a lot because uh, I think the the two people talking are really, uh, it really interested me and hopefully it'll interest you too. So without further ado, let's listen. Let's talk about production. Uh, you guys are starting production next year, correct? But um, a lot of people in my audience, you know, they say, hey, we've been lied to before. We got Lucid Air. We got Fear of the Future. How are you guys different? How are you guys going to pull it off and actually bring this to production? Okay, let's stop right there. I don't think Fear of the Future and Lucid Motors and Lucid Air, I don't think they are lying to anyone. And I think that's a little, uh, little harsh. But I do understand as they made big promises, and so far there's no fruits. So their promises are not bearing fruit. I want electric vehicle fruit. Let's, let's continue. Uh, it's a fair point, because uh, this will be the key question. Who of the new players uh, on this um, uh, world market is going to make it? And uh, from our perspective, only those are going to make it who know what they're talking about. In our case, we did it already, so we have a huge automotive uh, background and expertise. We know how to engineer and to produce uh, and manufacture cars. The key question is industrialization. Only those players who can industrialize the product on a high-end quality level are only those ones who are going to survive. So building a show car is an easy walk in the park. But to industrialize a product like a car, which is super complex, that's the key challenge. But 
knowing who is with me in this, uh, in the, on this mission, I know that we have the right people with us on board with a great automotive background. And uh, on top of that, we are not just building a good-looking AV, we are also building the next-generation smart device. And this is why at Biden, two literacies are equally at home, the automotive one as well as the digital one. And both are working hand-in-hand -hand together in order to make sure that the concept we are presenting here in form of the Biden concept is going to be enjoyable, experienceable, also with a serial production car. And this is uh, why this car is not just a design model, it's 80%, I would say even more, a representation of the serial production car you're going to see end of next year on the, next year on the market. Okay, I think that's kind of a terrible answer that that guy gave, but most of his other answers are really good. But I think it's terrible because, of, of course, uh, no one sets out to be really bad at manufacturing or mass-producing vehicles. So, of course, the person that, that succeeds is going to be the one who uh, gets that right. However, uh, just because you have um, experience uh, in in you know, car manufacturing does not mean you'll succeed because people still need to buy your car or want to buy your car. Now, you're going to produce this car, you're going to make it in China, correct? Is there a factory there already, or what is the plan for actual factory production? Okay, so we are currently building our plant uh, in Nanjing. So uh, um, I've just been there last week. Uh, the first part of the plant is ready, our trial building. In this uh, building, we are currently producing the first prototypes, uh, which uh, we need in order to get the relevant uh, uh, licenses and um, um, and also what we need for the homologation process because uh, we are not building a product in China for China only. We are going to build this product for the world market. And this is the reason why we are industrializing the process in a way that we are homologating, as you call it, homologating the product. And this is the reason why uh, already uh, mid of 2020 this car will be available in the United States and shortly after also in Europe. So I was going to ask you about that. Um, I can't think of a single... Chinese-based company that especially makes electric cars that mm -hmm. ever made it out of China. Yeah. Um, how are you guys going to be different? Because you're planning to launch it in China, but then uh, expand it to U.S. and uh, Europe. How are you going to pull that off? This is a really good question, and this is why you should go to the YouTube page E for Electric and watch Alex's stuff. Because I, man, I hope his name is Alex. Pretty sure it is. You should go watch his stuff because it's really, really good. Let's listen to the answer, shall we? Um, it starts with the DNA. So the, the DNA of those companies you are having in mind is completely different. These are pure Chinese companies. They are 100% Chinese and they started in China and they started with a focus on China only. Uh, in our case, it's different. Our company is global. Uh, so we have our R&D center also in the United States, in the Silicon Valley, so in Santa Clara, so where we have not only the software development and software engineering, we also do the car vehicle engineering over there because we have to make sure that it's a perfect, uh, perfect merge between hardware and software. So the hardware will be designed around the software, so to say. So this is why this is taking place in the US already. Then our design hub with uh, um, uh, many different nations, uh, so we have more than 40 nations in the company, um, is based in, uh, in Germany because there we do have the, the, the experience of the premium automotive industry and we have the entire 
landscape which we need in order to deliver supreme premium car design. And then, of course, we have also China, where we also have our R&D center, where we do the uh, industrialization, because uh, there's only one market in the world where perfect quality production is taking place. And there are many famous brands which are producing their devices, yeah, so in Asia, because... No. no. You're kidding me. <laughs> so this is why we believe that this is exactly the right uh, environment for us to produce a high-end quality car. I would also add that a lot of their suppliers are probably in China. I mean, taking and putting aside the fact that labor is cheaper in China and they have a lot of uh, companies like Fos Foxconn and, uh, oh, man. There's another one that starts with a P, and I want to say Pegasus, but I don't think that's right. It's not Paladin. Anyway, um, they have a lot of suppliers there, and then they also have a lot of skilled labor in the kind of things that they're going to be doing in terms of the electronics of this car. Basically, the car is a consumer electronics device, and in the area that they're going to be in, that is very consumer electronics. It's not Shenzhen, but it's very consumer electronics driven. And it makes sense that this is where they're going to, at least at first, build the vehicle uh, and distribute globally. Now, what's going to be interesting is how do they handle the right-hand, left-hand steering wheel thing? Um, are they going to have multiple lines? Or are they just going to take it as it comes? Because they're probably not going to get very many orders the first year. We'll see. Let's talk about specs. Okay, so... Um Let's talk about specs. Um, tell us about the sizes of the batteries, the range. Are you guys planning a, a single motor, dual motor, four-wheel drive? Uh, and also, will there be a performance maybe a, a model? So um, we will have the, the, the rear-wheel drive and on top of that also the all-wheel drive option. So we will have the entry battery pack uh, and uh, then we also have this uh, uh, extended battery pack for for those customers who would like to have more range on board. Um, so that's, uh, that's what we're going to deliver. Regarding the, the, the acceleration and the velocity topic, of course, we all know EV is quite fun, right? But uh, um, our uh, um, answer to the uh, EV market is not providing even more acceleration and more fun to drive. In our, in, with us, it's not about racing and acceleration and fun to drive. It will, will be fun to driving this car, but uh, with our, in our DNA, we are focusing on a different form of mobility. Because at the end of the day, uh, many people are just commuting and uh, having regular rides. So all the speed limitations, all the traffic. So yes, it's nice to accelerate up to 155 five miles per hour, but where can you experience it? It's not relevant to this extent from our perspective. But if you want to, if you want to design a car which can do so, you're changing the entire infrastructure. Because if you want to be able to accelerate and to drive a car up to 155 miles per hour, then the entire body of this car needs to be able to do so. And that means a lot of weight you are putting on board to make it possible and that's weight we are not putting on board so that's the reason why we want to focus on range and we want to focus on the UI UX experience we are focusing on this digital in environment we want to provide we think it's much more relevant having displays and having a seamless connectivity we rather invest in more antennas we are going to integrate which are providing hundred times the connectivity status of uh, in comparison to the cast on the roads today okay two things 
One is I agree with everything this guy just said, and that makes me happy. And two, I really dig this guy's accent. Actually, I dig both of their accents. So, what are the uh, range? Uh, what are, What are the ranges and battery sizes? Uh, once you actually start production? So we will have an entry range of uh, 350 kilometers uh, and uh, the maximum range is uh, 500, uh, 510 kilometers. Uh, so that's the starting point. But of course we will partner with uh, uh, battery cell suppliers uh, which are on continuously continue to invest uh, in the cell increase. And uh, I think that within the next 10 years, we will see a quite a huge increase uh, in terms of cell performance. And this is, of course, what we will offer in our product portfolio so that you can upgrade the battery and that you can uh, enjoy even more range uh, down the road of uh, our production uh, life cycle. Okay, so let's say I'm a Tesla driver. And I'm not a, I'm, 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 I'm open-minded Tesla driver, okay? Uh, and this car all of a sudden appears in the market and let's say you hire me to work at your dealership or service or whatever you're gonna call it. Mm -hmm. um, what would be my line as far as why would I take somebody out of a Tesla? What would, what, why would they switch from Tesla or Jaguar I-Pace, whatever, yeah. to this Byton. I think uh, we all know that uh, purchase reason number one globally, wherever you are, uh, whoever customer you talk to, is design. So first, uh, I think you as a Tesla driver need to uh, uh, get the feeling, yes, you could see yourself, you could imagine yourself in a Byton. Then, on top of that, um, it's about the value for money, right? The consumers are intelligent. They know what they get and they know what they can experience. And here we come, because when you look at the interior of a, of a Biden, you see that's a next generation philosophy we are applying. That's future. So either you are more the classical car driver and maybe performance oriented, then I would say remain where you are. But if you are appreciating this merge of digital experience in the automotive industry and uh, actually driving a smart device, a computer on wheels, enabling you to be connected to interact per video conferencing, uh, to do all these, uh, from my perspective, uh, services providing added value to your life, or where you would like to experience health and fitness functionalities in your car because it's a wearable itself, then you, uh, uh, I think you end up with only this car because I have not seen any single one providing this portfolio on this value for money basis. Okay, so I, I, I agree with what he's saying. If you love Mercedes and you are looking at buying a, or you are looking at a Byton, but you still really love Mercedes and you're going to miss that Mercedes-Benz, feel buy a mercedes-benz if you're going to spend that much money on a vehicle just buy the vehicle you want i think what they're saying here is if you want a new experience or if you this is something that appeals to you then by all means buy buy the biden one of the things that thought was interesting is the video conferencing the video conferencing will only work uh from other things that i've read while like level five autonomy or level four autonomy uh because obviously when you're driving the car, you don't want to be distracted with video conferencing. And the other, and I don't even know, like I use FaceTime with my kids sometimes, but I don't use it with anybody else in the world. So, um, oh, no, that's not true. Sometimes I use it with some people to help troubleshoot a computer problem. 
But other than that, I don't use it in any other world. But one of the other things that I thought was interesting, and I'm not really sure where this plays into it, is the car is a wearable and will help you with your health and fitness. I would like to learn more about that. And the starting price? In the U.S., we will start for, uh, at $45,000. That's the entry price. And we, we are doing a proper product management in order to make sure that we are remaining in an affordable price range. When we started the development, people, and we asked in clinics, asked the people, what do you think, what is it, how much is it? They actually were thinking the double the price. And that's exactly what is our target. We are providing design and quality, which you perceive as double the price, but we want to make it affordable because for us it's much more interesting uh, to be relevant for a broader audience. That makes it worth running our own plant. That makes it worth engineering and investing in all of this because then we have the critical mass, the critical volume behind it. And due to the fact that this car is being designed for the global market, I'm sure that uh, we will find enough customers. I knew the price because you guys told me back in January. I was just checking if you came to your census. Yeah, a $45,000 starting price is actually, uh, especially if they, they're planning on providing all the value that they're saying, if they follow through with that, that's actually a really good price. And that's something that's compelling, and I think it'll be compelling to a lot of people. If you look at the Model 3, yes, the starting price is uh, 35 but most people are, are going to be over that significantly. Um, I think people... Who are buying it now you know most people are like in the $57,000 range for a model 3 so we'll see what uh, how much value I'm using air quotes there Biden puts in their vehicle make me put so much value into the vehicle make it so that I don't really want to upgrade anything that would be fantastic if I'm happy with the whatever comes with the $45,000 base model well, uh, that is it. That's the whole show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you need to email me and contact me that way, it's Bodie at 918digital.com. If you want to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt, the name of the show. And I'm on Twitter at 918digital. So this has been a long podcast, so I won't go any further. I hope everybody has a fantastic week. And I will talk to you on Friday with the Tesla earnings call episode. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.